I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for TGIF July 15th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance and tech all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jay, we didn't talk about this yesterday or the day before, because as you know, our policy is no free plugs, especially for multi-billion dollar companies like Amazon. But it was Prime Day those past two days, and the projected sales, this is an American, $12.5 billion. That's a 17% increase from last year. So I have to ask, did you buy anything, Jay? I did not, but that doesn't mean I didn't do very deep dives into Amazon over the past couple of the past week. I was so close. It was in my cart. I almost bought a TV. What about you? I, well, the TV is the easiest one because they're heavily discounted on that day. And for whatever reason, you just always feel like you could use another TV. I could use one in the office. I could put one in a different room. But Jay, let me tell you this right now. You never need a new TV. The technology really doesn't change. It's like generational leaps, but nothing in between really matters. So I didn't buy anything. I scrolled through. It's just a lot of that stuff, stuff that you don't need, but you just buy because it's on sale. Yeah, it's like putting Black Friday online and making it much easier to buy. But I didn't buy anything. And now that you say it like that, I feel good that I didn't because I feel like I would just have a bigger TV, not a better TV. I think the key with Prime Day, this is my upcoming strategy. So I'll let you guys, I'll let the Peak Pals know how it goes next year, but is to think about things you're going to buy that month and then just defer them all until Prime Day and just live without them for a while. I don't know. I, you know, That sounds easier in theory than it is in practice, but that's my new thinking around it. That's a pretty good strategy. And aside from how you are approaching prime days of the future, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, well, happy EV week in Canada. And the feds are gifting you with big investments into electric vehicles and infrastructure. For our second story, Amazon wants to make a deal with the EU. And for our last story, the prices of concert tickets, well, Jay, they are soaring. Yeah, I know about that. I'll talk to you about it when we get to that story. But for our first story, happy last day of, let's say the hashtag EV week here in Canada for all those who celebrate while using hashtags in everyday speech is kind of outdated like a TikTok dance, but some forward thinking developments, including funding announcements for 950 new electric vehicle charging stations were made this week. Brett, how are these going to help when I buy my dream car, the Tesla Roadster, which I do kind of want, even though the company is owned by Elon Musk? Jay, thanks for editorializing a simple, a simple vision of what your dream car might be. But look, I've got good news for you and your Tesla Roadster, Jay. So the federal government will distribute $10 million in new investments with a few more to be announced later today to a mix of private companies to ramp up building new EV charging stations in eight provinces and territories. Now, one company is energy giant Shell, which pledged, by the way, that's surprising, which pledged <laughs> to install 79 new charging stations at Shell locations along the Trans-Canada Highway before year's end. That's pretty good. And Canada currently has 16,573 public EV charging stations, 90% of which are located in BC, Ontario, and Quebec. But after this week, is 2,000 stations closer to the government's goal of 50,000 operational charging stations by 2026? Exciting stuff, Jay. Yeah, as you know, I'm a new driver, and so maybe my first vehicle will be electric. We'll have to find out. I'll see you in about five years when I can afford one. These new charging stations matter. Well, Jay, it might not feel like it now, but Canada is a big and importantly, cold country that will need one charger for every 20 EVs by 2025 to properly support its goal of having EVs account for 20% of all new passenger vehicles in 2026. Now, hashtag EV week, it's a start, but we still have a ton more work to do. It's electric, boogie, woogie, woogie.
For our second story, Amazon wants to make a deal with EU regulators. The company will limit its use of marketplace seller data and make changes to quote-unquote buy box rankings in exchange for a truce and avoiding a fine worth up to 10% of its global revenue. Now, Jay, they're calling this, or we're calling this on the Peak Daily, at least, the Brussels Compromise. Now, what's the background on this potential deal? That makes it sound like a really big deal. And with 10% of Amazon's revenue at stake, it probably is. The EU has been investigating Amazon's use of merchant data since 2019, arguing the following. Well, one, that Amazon benefits from using non-public data from third-party sellers and by using it to find high-performing products and then just running off and saying, hey, why don't we create an Amazon Basics version of this very popular product that somebody else is selling? Right. And Amazon has unfair rules and criteria for its buy box feature, which according to the Financial Times, generates more most purchases on the site that favor its own retail business. I worry that we'll be under attack by the EU soon, Jay. We, we also had a similar strategy. We thought, hey, there's a podcast that does a great daily business news version. Let's do something similar for us. But we don't have to name who that podcast is. And so here's the offer that Amazon wants to make. So Amazon has agreed to no longer use non-public third-party seller data when making retail decisions and guarantee fair treatment when deciding which items to feature in the buy box. That's the big kind of advertisement section. Yeah, Amazon has also made commitments regarding Prime, saying it would allow third-party sellers to choose any provider for the logistics and delivery services and wouldn't advantageously use non-public data of third-party distributors. Now, if the European Commission accepts this offer, the commitments would be enforced for five years and Amazon would avoid a fine and there would be no conclusion to the probe saying that they broke antitrust rules. So, Jay, we've learned a lot about Europe. Why should Canadian peak pals care about what's happening with Amazon's proposed deal? Well, though these changes would apply in the EU only, lawyers told the Wall Street Journal that sellers across the pond over here could start seeing changes as companies sometimes apply changes they are compelled to make in Europe to their global operations here and everywhere else. And for our last story, anyone else finally feeling ready for live events again, only to realize that your bank account just isn't ready for that? We have the surging price of concert tickets to thank. Brett, what concerts are you most looking forward to that are going to take the biggest bite out of your paycheck? Well, Jay, the August long weekend, it is the return of OVO Fest. And it's Drake with special guests Nicki Minaj and Lil Wayne. And I'm sure there's always some secret special guests that will come as well. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I went about seven years ago, and I'd love to go back. But there's the problem. I don't know if I'll even be able to afford it. As of June, the average ticket price for the 100 most popular tours in North America cost about $108 US. That's an 18% surge from 2019, according, according to Polestar. On SeatGeek, an online ticket sale platform, which I know this is not a free plug. I do buy tickets on SeatGeek. It's the a free average plug. That's as much of a free plug as you can get. <laughs> it's, it's truthful. The average cost for a Canadian concert ticket this year is $162 US, up from $145 in 2020. The return to normalcy for many means buying tickets to see their favorite artists again, and many are willing to pay a small fortune for that experience. Before they sold out, floor tickets for the Harry Styles concert in Toronto's Scotiabank Arena were priced at $980 each, the cost of some all-inclusive week-long vacations. I know that's one you were really looking forward to, Jay. That's, I, that's did you see the lineup for those tickets? I, I did Like, no, shut down Queen Street. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Well, maybe next year. So look, Live Nation president Michael Rapino said that demand for live events has never been stronger. And Polestar confirmed concerts are attracting 5% more people this year, which at least in part explains some of the higher prices we're seeing. Now, the uncertainty of the economy and high inflation have also led the cost of touring, in particular, the gas that 
powers the buses and the planes that they use to get around, that's all risen, which is now being reflected in overall ticket prices. But these numbers don't account for the markups on reseller sites like Ticketmaster that have been criticized for monopolistic behavior. One analyst shows average markups of 158%. That's 158% above base prices, taking into account ticket supply and demand of the act. I guess they should use SeatGeek, right, Jay? Since you're on the, since you're on the dole. <laughs> Ontario recently moved to ban scalper robots that would buy huge amounts of tickets and capped how much resale tickets can cost at 50% above purchase price. Good luck enforcing that. And here's why these soaring ticket prices matter. Fans eager to return to live events after two years of delays and cancellations are finding they may have to scale back their summer concert-going ambitions. And that's nothing to say the fact that when Rogers is down, you can't actually go to the weekend concert. Yeah, terrible. Yes. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, have you been to a concert lately with a dynamic barcode? No. What, how does that work? So you have to download, in this case, Ticketmaster, and you can't like screenshot the barcode and then use it. So you can't, you're, you're not going to buy a bad ticket. It needs to be within the Ticketmaster app. And the barcode dynamically changes. You can see it. So you need to be online, actually, when you get to the thing, because it's changed five seconds earlier. So it's dynamic. So scalping tickets just got a lot more difficult, and you're much wow. less likely to buy a counterfeit ticket, which... I think it's a good news. You got to download all that cash. You got to make sure the ticket's actually good. That's cool. Thanks for sharing that. Pretty cool. Have a good weekend, Brett. You too, Jay.